So what is insanity? It's kind of a weird question to start off with, uh, but I'm doing, I'm doing it anyway. What is insanity? We think of places that people go uh, when they go crazy, but um, I think I've heard insanity defined a couple different ways. The first is doing the same thing over and over and over again, but expecting different results. It's kind of insane for me to do the same thing, but expect something different as a result. Another way I've heard insanity defined is the absence of reality. Insanity is the absence of reality. So it's living in a fantasy world of sorts, not a, a fantasy world like Harry Potter or Star Wars or something like that, but it's, it's simply refusing to accept and believe that things are actually the way that they are. And so insanity would be to believe that a severe illness will not lead to death. When in reality, it, if left untreated, a severe illness will lead to death. It would be insanity to believe that spending all of your money, all of the time, would help you and allow you to build up a good retirement. That's insanity when the reality is, is that saving money is one of the best ways that we can build up a good retirement. You have to save money to do that. I would also say that it's insanity to want to go back to an overly busy life that's not full of rest and that's focused on building a kingdom, lowercase kingdom, here on earth. When reality shows us that life is short and that we have been created for a purpose that exists for so much more than beyond these short years here on earth. This morning, we're going to read a passage from Colossians chapter 3, and it's verses 1 through 17. And um, I believe that as we are looking at the opportunity of life beginning to go back to quote-unquote normal, the way that it was a return to normal, that we need to set our eyes on something different. We need to focus in a different place. Because I don't want us to return to the insanity of life. I believe that we should focus on something that brings happiness and peace and joy and life and comfort. And so I'm going to read Colossians here and bear with me. It's out of the ESV version, so I apologize that it's not our normal NIV. But it says this, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. And therefore, put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And in these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. And do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, but have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. 
And here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian and slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. See, there's no difference between us as people. And so put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and with thankfulness of in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Over these past several weeks, um, as we've navigated this world of pandemic and the changes that it's brought, I've, I've begun to see a very apparent divide in the way that people are dealing with this current world. Um, and it seems almost as a whole that there's kind of two different trains of thoughts on either end, and then there's some people that probably fall in the middle. But on one side, I think you have a group of people that are tired of the way that things are, and they want to open things back up totally and completely. And they think that the reaction of this virus and this pandemic is overblown and that we need to get back to life as normal um, so that we can save the economy and save people and all of these things. And these people, they don't want to lose their rights. They're worried um, that they may be getting taken away. They, they're worried that that might be happening. And they believe that the best way that we can love our neighbor is by attempting to go back to normal and get to normal. And I, I think there might be some truth in that. But on the other side, I think there's also truth, and there's people who are a little more reserved in this. And when it comes to going back to normal, they're a little more hesitant. They're afraid um, that the virus and the pandemic might spin out of control and more people might get sick and more people might die, and they're afraid um, and fearful and cautious because they want to love their neighbor in the best way that they see how is by staying home and by social distancing and ensuring that they aren't the cause of someone else's illness. And I think there's truth in that and there's wisdom in that. And while there's differences in perspectives and opinions and timing around this pandemic, wherever you may be, um, I believe there's actually a lot of commonality on both sides. And when I really think about it, I believe that these past several months have brought the entire world to the reality that there might be, in fact, very little that we are actually in control of. Most of us, if not all of us, have experienced some degree of loss during these last several weeks and these last couple of months. Some of us lost the ability to go to school. Some of us lost the ability to play sports with other people. Some are unable to go to work. Some have lost the ability to go on shopping trips as family. 
Some have lost the job. Some have lost the ability to attend a church worship service and to gather together with a church family. Some have lost the vacation. And they're mourning that. Some have lost health. Some have lost security and financial stability. Some have lost and seen a huge reduction in a 401k. And some people have lost a loved one. Loss has affected us all. This situation has affected us all. And I think that the realities of death and uncertainty and confusion have met us face to face. And when we meet reality in such a blunt way, in such a brutal way, we grow afraid. It causes fear. It causes doubt. It causes wonder. It may leave us with anxiety and stress and exhausted and fearful and worried and tired. Something that we can't even see has effectively shut our planet down and changed our lives in ways that we never thought possible. But I think that the reality is is that um, we think that we can have so much control over our lives, over our fortunes, over our futures, or control over our families and what will come. But the reality is is that we don't. And I think on the surface, that is the reality that has hit us in the face, is saying that I actually don't have a whole lot of control in life. I think that I do, but I don't. We hate what we can't control, and it causes us to go into this defensive mode. Um, protection, survival comes to mind. And to be honest, I found myself afraid. I, I find myself wondering several times a day, do I have the virus? Did I get infected? Especially when I go shopping. I, I wonder, does that person have it? Do I need to stay away from them? What if my son gets it? What if my wife gets the virus? What if I pass it on to other people? And that fear steps in because the reality has shown itself that life is really fragile and I don't have control. But I think this season has also caused people to ask a lot of really important questions. Like, what's the point of all of this? Is there more than what I'm experiencing? Is this life when I die, is that it? Is that the end? You see, I think we love control and we long for control in our lives. We like to be able to determine what happens in the future and guide our paths and plan our paths. We want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, and how we want to do it. We want financial stability, and we want a good retirement, and we want our kids set up for success and happy, and we want them to enjoy their life. We want control over our health, and so we spend thousands of dollars to have good health and to have a good physical future, but the reality is we don't have much control over that. Because we spend so much time building our kingdoms, focusing on controlling our futures, that when reality steps in and it shows us that we don't have much control, we get afraid. Anxiety and stress enter into the picture. In James uh, chapter 4, verse 14, we're reminded, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. 
You see, the reality is, is that it's not just that we don't have control over a lot of things. The reality is, is that our lives are really short. If we're lucky, we'll get 70, 80, 90 years on this planet. And then eternity steps in outside of time forever. Life is short. Some of us won't get 70, 80, 90 years. The reality is is that we like to pretend that we have control over our lives. Some of us work so hard to have control. We work so hard to give the appearance the appearance that we're in control of our life and that life is great and that we have everything together and we're working hard so that other people can look at us and say, yeah, they're a good person. They've got it all together. But if we're honest, we don't have control. We're exhausted. We're worn down from trying to put up this facade of control and making sure everything's going right. That at the end of the day, we're exhausted, we're worn down, we're beat. And we're longing for something more, something better. Longing for something different. Longing for a breath of fresh air and a break. And often, it's isn't there more than what I'm experiencing, than what I have? And for many of us, the the season of pandemic has been that breath of fresh air that we've been waiting for in a sense. Because life has slowed down to the point where the busyness of before isn't all present in your life. And so you've been able to spend more time with your family and perhaps and hopefully even more time with God in the morning reading his word and praying. And because of that, your faith has grown and you're helping grow the faith of your family as well. And you've been able to rest. It's been that breath of fresh air that you needed because you've reprioritized your life a little bit. But for others of you, you've had to spend more time with your family and your patience has been stretched thin. And this season has been hard for you because maybe you have come face to face with the fact that you have problems in your life that you haven't dealt with because you haven't had to. Because the busyness of your schedule has afforded you an escape from your problems. Maybe in your relationships, in your family, um, maybe in your spending habits, whatever that might be. But because you can't run away from them right now, life is kind of tough. I think regardless of how you view this season, of how I view this season, that's that's not important. But I think that there's one general assumption, one thing that I can say that we, is pretty accurate for all of us. Um, and it's that I think that all of us are longing for the day that things can return to normal. Whatever that may look like for you, whatever you dream that that normal is, I think that is what we're longing for and hoping for. We're longing for the day where we can go back to work and we don't have to worry about the six feet of distance. We're longing for the day that we don't have to wear a mask when you go to Costco. Um, We're longing for the day where we don't have to worry about whether or not there's a virus on my shopping cart and whether I'm bringing that home to my family. We're longing for the day when kids can play sports again. And they can enjoy time together with their friends. We're longing for the day, actually, I think, when our schedules can be filled and full and we can be busy. 
We want normal. That's what we want. We want to go back three months ago and back to that life. And honestly, it looks like we're headed in that direction. We're beginning that process as things are starting to open back up and restrictions are being lifted and relaxed a little bit. And it's exciting because maybe we can go back to what it was. But is that really what we should be longing for? To go back to normal, to go back to what life was like before the pandemic. Because let's think about this a little bit. What was your schedule like pre-pandemic? Were you busy? Were you going a million miles an hour from the moment you wake up until the moment that you put your head on your pillow and struggle to fall asleep because you still have things on your mind for tomorrow and how you're going to get kids where they need to be and how you're going to get to where you need to be and how you're going to cook dinner the next day because you know schedules are full. Were you ensuring that everyone in your family was going, going, going? Because for many people, that's how life was. It was just straight busyness and straight chaos. Insanity, if you will. Because it was doing the same thing over and over and it led to exhaustion. As these restrictions are lifted and as things appear to kind of start going back to normal, I think the temptation is going to be there to go back to the insanity of how life was before. Too much work, packed schedules, lack of family time, lack of spiritual development and growth. Exhaustion, frustration, vacations from our vacations, which is a weird concept, but many people feel like they need a vacation once they get home from their vacation. Discontentment, apathy, separation steps in. And I'm going to make a bold statement, and I'm going to say that it's insanity for us to want to go back to that, but I know that many of us will. Because that's what we're supposed to do. That's the way things are, and it's not supposed to be different. That's the American dream, after all, right? Life, liberty, and happiness, the Declaration of Independence tells us, right? That we have life, liberty, and happiness. Those are our rights that we have in life. Well, that's not what the Declaration of Independence says. It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, And you see, I think that our founding fathers were brilliant when they wrote it that way, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, because they realized in their time period, and I think it's just as true, if not more so now, that not everything in this world leads to happiness. We think that it does, and it might for a certain period of time, but they knew that there are a lot of things that people think lead to happiness that actually don't. And we all have the ability to pursue that happiness. But some things that we think lead to happiness actually just lead to frustration and emptiness and discontentment, longing for something more, something better, something different. Yet I believe that there is one source, only one source, that will provide you with the happiness and the joy that you long for in life. And that's Jesus. 
that if you follow him, if you seek to know him and understand him, you're going to find that happiness along with a lot of other incredible things. And insanity, the absence of reality, is trying to gain and maintain control and think that we have control over everything in our lives. But it's exhausting. It's frustrating. And so as things appear to be opening back up and quote-unquote going back to normal, again, whatever that means, I think we have two options, two things that we can do. And our passage presents those two things. And the first thing that we can do is is seek the things that are on earth. Seek the things that are on earth. And that's in verse 2 of our passage. And that's going back to normal for many of us. It's everything that I just mentioned. It's building our own kingdoms here on earth. It's seeking happiness in a million different places. Attempting to keep up with the Joneses. It's a material perspective that's focused on the here and the now. And building my kingdom so that I can have a retirement, so my kids can grow up and be successful, so they can have a retirement, and on and on and on. And it's just this cycle of insanity that goes around and around and around and and leads to frustration and stress and anxiety. It's seeking control. Trying to give the illusion that you are in control of your life and your family's life and that you have everything all together. But again, I get tired of that. Because I know at the end of the day, I don't have control, no matter how hard I want to have control. And so stress enters into my life, anxiety, depression, frustration, exhaustion. And seeking these earthly things is falling into a life that is actually quite the opposite of the life that God calls you to live and the life that God has designed you to live. And it's hashed out in verses 5 through 11 here when it says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, covetousness, idolatry, um, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying. Like those are the things that are part of this earth. It's seeking those things. And and yeah, those are sins that sometimes we fall into when our perspective is on the here and the now and it's in the moment because we create gods out of work and out of family and out of money and out of sports and out of you name it. We just did a series on it. But I think those sins are present, but for many of us, you may look at that list and you may say, okay, yeah, I... I don't have any sexual immorality in my life. I'm doing pretty good. I'm not too angry. I definitely don't have wrath and malice towards anybody. Um, and I do a pretty good job watching what I say and the language that I use. And I haven't lied to anybody in a while. And so you may look at that and, and you may say, well, I don't have a ton of sin in my life. But I think that the most powerful tactic that Satan uses in our lives it isn't always great big sins that we got to check off and make sure that we don't do in huge temptations in life, I think his most powerful tactic is simply distraction. I think that Satan is content with just distracting people with good things. 
and keeping our attention off of God. Because if we're distracted with um, security for our family and taking care of our family and seeking good health, those aren't bad things. And sports and education and work, those aren't bad things. But if Satan can distract us with those things, he's keeping us from God. And that's the scary thing, is that often we don't realize when we're distracted. But I think when reality steps in and we realize we don't have control over things, I think that's a good indicator of whether or not we've been distracted. Because if our world falls apart in that moment, that's a problem. Satan just wants to distract you. That's it. So how are you being distracted right now? The second way I think that we can respond to life going back to normal and moving forward is to set your mind on things above. Set your mind on heavenly things where Jesus is. So it's moving our perspective from the here and the now up to where God is and to where Jesus is and longing to know what he wants. And so in verses 1 through 4, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ... So if you are following Jesus, if that's the desire of your heart, then seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your mind on things that are above and not things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Just as we learn when you choose to follow Christ, when you accept him as your, your Lord and Savior, the old is gone, the new has come. You are a new creation in God's image, created to do the will of God and to be good. Because God has many good things planned for you in your life. And he has a way and a purpose, and he designed you and created you to live life a certain way. And that's what this new life is all about. And so you've died, and so when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will, be, you will appear with him in glory. And so something new is supposed to be happening. Our, our mindset is supposed to be on heavenly things here. And so the Greek word when it says set your eyes on things above, what that actually means in the meaning of the word set there is to seek after, to strive for, to be intent on. So it's not a single decision that you make at one point in your life, and then move on and forget about it. But it's striving after, it's seeking after, it's following, being intent on it, and saying, you know what, my life is going to be about these heavenly things. My life is going to be about following Jesus. It's going to be the way that I choose to live my entire life. That's what setting our eyes on the things above is. So what does that mean? It means, first and foremost, to pursue a deeper knowledge of who Jesus is, seeking to know who he was and what it means to live with him and for him. To know that Jesus, to know who Jesus is calling you to be and the life that he's offering you. It's about looking at life from God's perspective and seeking first his kingdom and not your own. It's seeking after what God desires and living a life that's worthy of the name of Jesus. And I believe that it's setting our eyes there is the best cure for materialism and the temptation in this life. Because we can't truly live this out 
without also learning to let go of our worldly desires. And so rather than focusing on lust and greed and the sins of this world and the things of this world, it's moving our focus and our attention and our thinking to what God wants. And so these things above, what are they? What are these things that we should focus on? Verses 12 through 17 lay them out. And I'm just going to go through them super quick. But it's it's being compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, having patience, um, forgiving each other um, as God has forgiven us. But most of all, putting on love and loving other people because that binds everything together. And then it's letting the peace of Christ dwell in you and rule in your life. And it's letting the word of Christ, the Bible, God's word, fill you. And at the end of it, it says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus, for Jesus, with him in mind. That's what it's about. And so in conclusion, as as I wrap this up, and I'm sorry that this has lasted so long, longer than normal, but... Well, these two months of pandemic and everything that has come with it have been frustrating for many of us because our lives were upended and changed drastically. I believe that at the same time, despite those changes and those inconveniences and those frustrations, I believe that we were given an incredible opportunity. We came face to face with the reality that we actually don't have control of very much in our lives. I mean, something microscopic that we can't see shut down our planet. It changed where you go to work and how you work. It changed how we go to the grocery store. It changed the entertainment in our lives. We came face to face with the reality that life is incredibly fragile. And incredibly short. And that it's precious. We came face to face with the reality of what's truly important in life is family and relationships and people. Not the insanity of bank accounts and economies and 401ks and promotions and sports and the list goes on and on. Again, those aren't bad things, but what's really important? For many of us, We reprioritize our lives. We haven't been working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And because of that, we've been spending more time with family. We've exercised more. We've spent more time with God reading his word and praying. We've slowed down enough to catch our breaths and to realize what's really important in life. But again, as things start to open back up, the temptation to return to life as normal is going to be there. That insanity of life. And we can either focus again on those earthly things and building up our kingdoms here on earth, or we can shift our perspective and our focus and say, okay, God, I want what you want because what I was doing before, I was tired. I was exhausted. I was worn down. I was frustrated. When the things of this world become our focus, that becomes a problem. When that, when the things of this world are what we set our eyes on, that becomes a problem because those things become God in our life. And Satan wants us to be distracted 
from God because when we're distracted from God, we're not connected to Him. And i got to be honest with you guys. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm frustrated by my desire to try to control things and guide things. Because no matter how hard I try, it doesn't work. But I still try. I have a seven-month-old son at home. And my wife and I try so hard to control his day and how our days go. We want to make sure he wakes up at the right time, that he eats breakfast at the right time, that he gets his morning nap at the same time every day, so, and that he sleeps for the same amount of time every day, that he eats lunch at the same time, that he naps in the afternoon at the right time, that his bedtime routine starts at the right time, and that he sleeps for a good amount of time at night. And we try so hard to control that and to make sure that things go like they should, at least the way that we want them to. But then reality hits us and things don't go as planned and he wakes up early or he doesn't eat as much food as he normally does so he's hungry earlier than he's supposed to or teething happens and that's like the worst thing ever because he doesn't sleep as well as he once did. And the schedule is completely thrown off and we lose all control and we get exhausted. We get frustrated. We get tired. We get anxiety and stress because we're worried about what might happen. And it extends beyond just our seven-month-old schedule and routine. And I think we all fight and we fight and we fight for control, seeking the illusion that we can control this life only to gain it for a brief moment and think, yes, I've got it. I have control over what's going on. And then you turn around and all of a sudden you've lost it again. Focusing on earthly things, it might lead to sin, but it leads to building your own kingdom and focusing, frankly, on things that just don't matter in light of eternity. It's focusing on control. It's seeking that control. It's reading a passage like here in Colossians, and, and it's seeing a list of don'ts. I'm not supposed to be angry. I'm not supposed to be sexually immoral. I'm not supposed to lie. And then I'm supposed to be nice. I'm supposed to love people. I'm supposed to forgive people. And we see that list of do's and don'ts, and we say, okay, I'm going to control this, and I'm going to make sure I don't do the don'ts, and I'm going to make sure I do do the do's. Okay, because then I'll be okay, and I have control over my faith and how I'm growing, and it's great. But the reality is is that we can't control that, and eventually we mess up and we make a mistake and we do the wrong thing, and we turn around and look, and we realize, holy cow, I've left a wake of destruction, of hurt behind me and pain behind me. I've hurt the people that I love the most. I've fallen short. I've sinned in ways that I didn't think I ever would. I'm not the person that I wanted to be. I don't like who I am. And what we do is we get exhausted. We get frustrated. We get anxious, stressed. We beat ourselves up. And we start the process all over again, seeking control. The beauty of the gospel, the good news, is that Jesus steps in and he says, hey, let me have that. Let me have control. I'm in control already, but just just let me have it. Let me take that stress. Let me take that anxiety. 
Let me take your fears, your worries, your pain, your failures. And let me give you peace. Let me give you grace and forgiveness and mercy. Let me give you love that you've never experienced before. Let me give you hope. Jesus comes in and he says, I want to set you free from the insanity of the busyness of your life. From the insanity of the illusion of control. Let me be in control. And I'll give you that abundant life that you're seeking, that you long for. Let me show you who you were created to be. That's the beauty of the gospel. The good news is that, you know what, I don't have to be in control and that I can be free from that. And that I can look at Jesus and I can say, have it. And he'll take it. And he says that my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Walk with me. That's the beauty of the gospel is he wants to set you free from control and anxiety and stress and fear and worry.